Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio, and that means you're listening to me, Deb Wolf. And once again, I have back one of my favorite guests. Put your thinking caps on. It's the professor coming to you, Dr. Stanley Corin. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Deb. Oh, it's nice to have you. So first, I want to say to everyone out there, there is a challenge, a Betty White challenge. And so far, our local BCSPCA has benefited $262,000 because of the Betty White challenge. The challenge is in memory of Betty White, who was a terrific animal supporter and um, did so much good work for animals. And I talked about that on last week's show. But the challenge is donate in her name to a rescue, a recognized charity that helps animals, some kind of SPCA in your neighborhood. So if you can do that, that will go a long way. And this year, our SPCA actually already gave 35,000 free days of care to pet animals owned by people who are afflicted by floods here. So that, you know, you may hate the dog catcher. You may remember the old movies and cartoons. Here comes the dog catcher. It's a whole different picture today. So donate and they'll be there for you when you need them. I want to ask you, Dr. Korn, I know you're in that neck of the woods. What was the flooding like? Oh, it was a mess. I mean, we have a little farm out in the Fraser Valley and uh, we darn near lost it. But it also uh, sealed off Highway 1, which is the only route to get from Vancouver to Chilliwack, which is where we were. And so, you know, it was days before we even knew whether or not we had survived the flooding. So my wife went, finally, I mean, they opened the, the highway after it had been closed for five or six days, something like that. And within an hour of them announcing that, my wife shot out over there. Uh, to make sure that, you know, we weren't completely underwater and, and, and we lucked out. The fields were underwater, but the, um, the house survived. So many people weren't so lucky. I had customers get their animals here. I, have, I still have a Jeep that's not mine parked in my driveway to keep it safe from the floods at Hatsik. You know, like it's yeah. not over for a lot of people. And the SPCA was really helpful for so many. So if you can donate in Betty White's honor, give that a go. Go for the Betty White challenge. So, Dr. Gorn, we had a lot of trouble here with coyotes, you'll remember. And um, it was funny because whenever I talked to Americans when it was happening, they were really surprised that they didn't just go out and shoot them all. And, and, you know, so surprised at the tolerance, because what happened was between December 2020 and early September, there were 45 reported attacks by coyotes on adults and children in Stanley Park, a very popular park in downtown Vancouver, visited by tourists and kids and cyclists and walkers and all that. So they decided to do a cull and park was closed for two weeks and conservation officers went in there and they did catch and kill four coyotes or seven altogether. When the cull ended, though, they weren't really sure if they got the right coyotes. And it turns out, well, six were euthanized and 
None showed signs of anything like rabies or anything. They were just doing their natural thing. People had been feeding them. But it turns out there's way less coyotes than they thought there were. So I wondered, Octocorn, isn't there a better way to do this? And did them killing a few even make a difference? Is this the way to go? Well, the Stanley Park situation is one which has been in the news recently, but several years back, we had a similar outbreak in Queen Elizabeth Park. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And uh, what eventually triggered the action of the park board was the fact that a family uh, with a an infant child was sitting and watching a a soccer game and a coyote raced out of the bush and grabbed the child. And so the child survived, but, you know, badly damaged that sort of thing. So again, there, there was a cull, a huge outcry from some people saying that the, you know, the coyotes were here first and all that sort of business. But of course, the turns out the coyotes were not here first. When the city of Vancouver was was founded, there were no coyotes in the city at all. And mm. it wasn't until the late 1800s, uh, early 1900s, when lots of garbage dumps began to appear around the sides of the city and that sort of thing that the coyotes appeared. So actually, they're encroaching on our habitat rather than us encroaching on their habitat. Well, there were protesters at Stanley Park, too. There were lots of people who didn't want this to happen. So there was the same outcry, save the coyotes. And, you know, and and really, we all knew. And in the end, it turned out they caught a few people were feeding them intentionally. And that just can't happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, and as I said, this is not new. They found, as I said, the previous incident, which was in Queen Elizabeth Park, they found that a woman had been leaving open bags of dog food out there. There you go. See, and you know, a fed bear is a dead bear. A fed coyote could be a dead kid. That's the problem. They come in and they come and go for your children or your little pets. We've had some terrible attacks on small dogs with the owners right there kicking at the coyotes and sometimes able to keep them off and sometimes not. Remember that woman who got mauled in Port Moody trying to keep coyotes off her dog? You know, a little foo-foo teacup dog, old dog too. It's just you can't feed them. And I used to just walk around Stanley Park and see people feeding raccoons and skunks and squirrels. And don't they realize the coyotes are coming for the leftovers? <laughs> and why are they feeding these other animals in the first place? What, what is it in humans that makes us want to feed wildlife, even though we know it's wrong? What, what is that, Dr. Korn? Because I know you're a professor of psychology. You know what makes us tick. What is that? Well, I mean, what we're dealing with here is that people have a need to nurture. Okay. And especially uh, for people who are at the moment childless. That means, I mean, they may have had kids and they moved out and and that sort of thing, or they may just be childless and that sort of thing. And for uh, such people, you know, feeding animals is the same thing as nurturing a child. I mean, it fulfills that same kind of feelings. So that's what goes on in this particular case. I mean, it's just a, a very basic kind of a response that that we see something and uh, if it doesn't appear to be threatening then somehow or another we want to uh, uh, show it some affection and and food and affection are in fact uh, very closely related 
that makes sense to me because animals will work for treats and food and coyotes are very, very food motivated, more than most. And such good memory. They're so darn smart, smarter than your dog. What do you say about that? No, they're not smarter than our dog. But, you don't uh, think so? Oh, no, man. They're, they're well adapted to their environment. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. You have to understand that the urban coyotes are different than the coyotes out in the wild. And even their daily cycles have uh, changed. Out in the wild, the uh, coyotes are diurnal. They tend to hunt mostly in the daytime. And they're scavengers, I mean, out in the wild as well, but they hunt for small rodents and that sort of thing. In the city, they have changed to being nocturnal. So, mm -hmm. so they hunt between twilight and dawn, and they are almost entirely scavengers, except, you know, you can usually find them in park areas because uh, there are lots of small rodents there. And in some areas of the city, which are not as well kept because there are rats there, but mostly they're scavengers. I mean, that sort of thing. And they have become pretty good at staying out of the clutches of humans, but they don't solve problems very well. Um, they, you know, a very simple gate, uh, for example, as long as they can't leap over it, is enough to stop them. Whereas, you know, a dog will actually work at the latch until he finally opens it. Oh, interesting. The reason I thought they were smarter is because of the way they can trick. And I've seen them trick dogs. I've seen them feign being limp or, or, you know, having a limp, having an injury. So the dogs that are seeing this coyote will come over and greet it and not get their not get their guard up. I've seen coyotes act sexually, especially females. I don't know if she's in heat or she's just acting like it, but I've seen a whole lot of trickery to try and get the big dog to follow where they're presumably going to ambush him. Things that the average pet dog doesn't necessarily recognize it's a coyote right away and, and maybe friendly back. And that seems gullible and stupid compared to the coyote's cunning trying to lure this dog away to kill it. So that's where I thought, you know, some of my dogs, especially this one who was Wolf Cross, he knew right away that these were not okay. And some of the herding dogs know right away that's not okay. That is predator. But some of the Lovey dogs raised in families that don't have much wildness left in them really don't get that this is a threat. Well, it's it part of it is experience. You have to recognize that our dogs, because of the way we rear them, I mean, we train them not to be xenophobic, which simply means being afraid of strangers. Right. And so we make sure that, that they are friendly around humans, but also around other dogs. So we've worked on it very hard to get that friendliness into our dogs. And it is a preferred trait among domestic dogs. That's I mean, true. You know, yeah. and there are a lot of people out there like me who really have a strong preference for kissy face dogs. So right. what you're looking at is the fact that the dogs we have. We dumbed them down. We took away their instinct. To, I get it. But you'd think that me being stressed out or, or treating this coyote like it doesn't belong would trigger something. But some of them are just la la la. la. <laughs> Not quite on it, you know. Well, you know, we've done a good job doing what we want with the dogs. We we want them to be, you know, these these friendly, cuddly dogs. So every dog is an instantaneous therapy dog, if you will. Yeah, and yeah, that's true. 
Okay. Well, how do you think they could have handled the coyote problem better? And then we'll leave this topic and we're going to go to break and we're going to come back and talk about the Pope. But first, I just want to ask you, how could they have handled it better? Well, my own feeling is they could have handled it better by making sure, for example, that the prey animals, which are available in the park, like the rats, and uh, those are not available uh, to them. And also making sure that all of the garbage and places where food waste is stored is coyote proof in the same way that we that we encourage people to you know out of the fringes of the city to make sure that their garbage is bear proof so that would be the very first thing to do okay the second thing to do is is you know around those areas which are attractive my own preference would have been to set up live traps and then just to export these guys to the wilderness of course that's where they're vampires and they have to learn to be day creatures and readjust but that's okay (laughs) they'll do it you say they're adaptable they'll figure it out okay so we gotta go to break but you did mention that childless people are more likely to be guilty of feeding wildlife and i understand the pope has been talking about childless people who he says should not be adopting pets instead of children and i want to talk about that with you when we get back from the break so stay tuned we're going to talk to dr cord about that on animal party pet life radio take a bite out of your competition advertise your business with an ad in pet life radio podcasts and radio shows There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, we're back with Animal Party Pet Life Radio. And I was reading your column, Dr. Koren, which is why I asked you on the show this week. So tell us about the Pope. What's going on with that? Well, the Pope had a general audience just about a week or so ago in the Vatican in which he was discussing parenthood. And let me quote him directly because, you know, I don't want anybody to think that I'm I'm making this up out of whole cloth. He says, today we see a form of selfishness. We see that some people do not want to have a child. Sometimes they have one and that's it, but they have dogs and cats that take the place of children. And then he goes on to say, and this denial of fatherhood or motherhood diminishes us. It takes away our humanity. And he goes on and he makes comments about, you know, people who are unable to have children for biological reasons should considering adoption and nobody should be afraid of parenthood. Now, what's triggering this is that in a lot of the westernized countries where the Catholic Church is very active, there is in fact a diminishing of in terms of the birth rate. Right. So that uh, fewer and fewer kids are being born. And and it's 
Is that birth control? Is that what it is? I guess so. No, yeah, I mean, it is a, a desire for people to have careers and, and engage in other activities. And when you do survey these people, and, you know, this would include, for example, a huge swack of millennials, one of the reasons, not the first reason usually, but, you know, certainly one of the reasons which they give is that, well, you know, kids are expensive and a lot of bother and take away our, our freedom. And I get all the love I need for my dog or my cat. And so, you know, there is that sense that somehow or another for these people, the need to nurture, which we were talking about earlier, can be fulfilled by a pet dog or a cat. So the Pope has, you know, has, has taken a swack at these people. And you got to understand that the Catholic Church has, has never been consistent on, on their attitude towards animals. I mean, you know, traditionally, the Christianity has said that, you know, animals don't have souls, even though the word anima, which we use for animals, means soul. And one of the reasons is that, you know, anything which has a soul, which has intelligence, which has consciousness, according to the religion, it should be allowed some freedom of choice and also should be allowed into heaven. Well, of course, you know, nobody wants to have their working animals or their food animals have a, have a freedom of choice. And somehow or another, the feeling was that heaven would get to be too crowded. Yeah, you don't want to be stepping in manure when you're up there wearing your whites. I get it. But you yep. know what? I don't think, for me anyway, if there's no animals there, I don't want to go there. That's not heaven. I, I have trouble with this from the idea that there's like not enough love. It, it almost like going by this logic, the more kids you have, the less love you have to give each one. Like the dog only takes love, doesn't give love. To me, I remember there was this book maybe 10 years ago, kid's book about a bucket. And every time you gave good deeds, good works, made someone else feel good, said nice things to people, your bucket got more full, was the idea of the book, not depleted. So the more love you give out, the more love comes back. And the whole thing is all about expanding the family. I don't see this as like taking your energy and attention and love away from children. It's tricky for me because then having 10 kids would be terrible and having one would be the ideal. And that's not what he's saying. No, there has been a huge outcry in the social media about what he's been, been doing. People have pointed out that, in fact, well, first of all, you know, pointed out the fact that the members of the church hierarchy, the priests, the nuns, and, and certainly all of the bishops, uh, have a, a vow of celibacy. So if parenthood is so important, you know, why aren't they out of their fathering children? But as I said, the church has always had this mixed feeling about it. I mean, Pope Pius IX actually led a campaign to try to prevent the founding of the Italian Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, on this basis of this fact that the animals have no souls. But Pope John Paul II is the one who said, you know, animals also possess a soul, and we got to love them. So it's kind of a big debate over there. I get that. Oh, yeah, Pope Pius II, by the way, who lived during the Renaissance, he had a dog by the name of Musetta, and he even once stated that he loved her as he did would a child. I think that would probably rankle Pope Francis at the moment. But, <laughs> yes. But the first thing that, that people have to remember, I mean, my 
favorite example on this sort of thing is that when Henry Burke uh, founded the American Association for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, a whole lot of people said, you know, well, wait a minute, you know, you're loving animals, you should be loving kids and that sort of thing, and you're taking it away from the kids and, and so forth. But it turns out that Henry Burke also founded the first major child welfare society because, you know, he said that kids ought to at least have the same kinds of protection that the animals do. It is about protecting the weak in society. Yep. And, yep. It, and in some cases, it's, you know, the, the people who are most disturbed strike out at animals and kids. So some of this is related. Yeah. And, and, and uh, my own feeling is that, that love is like a muscle. Okay. The more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. And so the more, if you will, weight you can lift. That means to say the more people and individuals you can love. So, you know, I, I don't think this idea that loving animals detracts. He says that, you know, some people have a child and mm -hmm. then have pets. Well, they, what's wrong with that? I mean, but of course, it doesn't you know, uh, take into account that the animals also give love. It could contribute to love. But okay, so we have to go to another break. But when we get back, I want to talk about the online dating world because apparently, man with dog photo gets women who are looking for commitment interested. So men out there are like borrowing dogs. Okay, stay tuned. We're coming back from the break on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, we're back on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. Well, it seems even though the Pope has stated that having pets can make you less open to parenthood, it seems that women looking for a husband and a father and wanting to settle down are much more attracted to online pictures when the man on the dating site poses with a dog. I don't know if it's true for women with a dog. I'm wondering if many dogs or a cat or cats is actually a deterrent, I would think. What do you think about that, Dr. Gore? And what about the man with the dog? Yeah, I did some of that research, so I, I understand completely. Women tend to think that a picture of a man with a dog indicates that the, the man is apt to be more stable, uh, less flighty, and certainly more caring. And women tend to consider that when they're certainly considering finding a mate or that sort of thing. And it turns out that, as you said, a bunch of men have learned that, in fact, you know, women are attracted to pictures, uh, profile pictures of men with a dog. 
uh, especially a good-looking dog. And in fact, a colleague of mine who has an absolutely beautiful Cocker Spaniel said that a male friend of hers was putting up a a profile picture uh, for a dating site and he asked to borrow her cocker spaniel so <laughs> for the picture ladies so, come on now we need a little solidarity don't be lending your dogs to these dogless men so they can pretend to be what they're not and trick other ladies come on now keep your dog to yourself if he wants to show he's dependable by having a dog that depends on him let him pet sit for you next time you go on a trip but <laughs> otherwise But there's also some research, you had asked about the ladies in this, there's also some research which says that if a woman has a profile picture uh, with a dog, she is judged by men to be more loving, and in one study, even prettier, more beautiful. Really? The dog hair and the drool makes me prettier. All right, I'll take it. (laughs) That's like a dear friend of mine who says that her favorite clothing color is dog hair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So it's not as strong as the effect uh, for women. You know, women tend to have, you know, a stronger bump up in their positive feelings for a man with a dog, but there is still that bump up for women with a dog or with a cat. But what about cat? Oh, same? Really? They don't think we're crazy cat lady or the man is, I don't know, somehow not masculine enough if he has a cat. I don't see why they're I don't have any data on men with cats, but (laughs) there is some data for women with cats. So women with cats uh, tend to be seen as, and the word which shows up most often in that research is elegant. Oh, well, there you go. I'm elegant and pretty. I will take that. So I pose (laughs) with a dog and a cat, but maybe that's too much. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I have no data on multiple animals. <laughs> Do you know what it used to be? It used to be men posing with a giant fish all the time, right? And I always thought that was curious. That was like the osprey, you know, the osprey mating ritual where the male goes and he gets fish and he throws them at the nest and the female kicks the fish out if it's not big enough. She makes a big show and he has to prove he can provide. And I thought, okay, well, they're just being their osprey selves. Well, it, but- <laughs> used, to, it used to be that they also would pose with their motorcycles or with their mm-hmm. hunting rifles. So <laughs> That's true. Okay. So, so people were looking more for macho at that particular point in time, or at least the men thought that. You think you don't think the fishes I will feed you on some kind of primitive level? I think it's I think it's <laughs> I think it's more macho. It's the same sort of thing as uh, as as having the deer across the uh look at this animal I slaughtered. Yes. yes okay. Yes. <laughs> you know. All guitars right. you, Jane, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's why I'm not on those sites. Okay, everybody. We've just been talking to Dr. Stan Corin, and where can they find your column? I'm at on the Psychology Today website in the canine corner. There you go, everybody. So if you want something smart to read, check that out. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Corin. Anytime, Jeff. All right. Thank you. And from us at Animal Party and Pet Life Radio, be good to animals. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.